0: Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Code With Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to remind you that you can get the show notes for this episode and every other episode at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast player you listen on. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a review would be awesome too. Here's a quick word from our sponsors who help make the show possible. Flatiron School's online web developer program focuses on community, actual development tools, and features a curriculum that will teach you the skills you need to land a career as a software engineer. Get $500 off your first month by visiting FlatironBootcampPrep.com. Want to transition from dead-end job to dream job? Full Stack Academy is one of the nation's top coding boot camps with the curriculum, the career guidance, and most importantly, the community support to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Full Stack Academy, everything you need to land your dream job in tech. Check them out at fullstackacademy.com. In today's episode, I talk with Ashu Desai, the founder of MakeSchool. We talk about his experience building his first app at 16, why he dropped out of college, and how to build a portfolio that stands out. The audio cuts out a little in this episode, but it's definitely worth listening to. All right, let's get into it. Ashu Desai is the founder of Make School, a college based in Silicon Valley that provides an alternative to a traditional computer science education. Ashu has been building apps since high school and has spent his career teaching others to code. Hi, Ashu. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey, Laurence. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm really excited to chat with you today and talk about your background, how you got into tech, your college experience, and then what led you to create Make School. So I want to start back in the beginning. And I know from doing some research on you that you got into tech initially at quite a young age. So I'm interested, how did you first find out about technology? What inspired you to explore it?
1: I grew up mostly living in Asia, in Singapore and Hong Kong. And when I was about 10 years old, uh, my parents moved to Silicon Valley valley and this was a really cool opportunity for me to explore more about what this area was like and i was lucky to go to a high school where a lot of my friends parents were venture capitalists or entrepreneurs and my high school actually had a computer science program where there are a few levels of courses that you could take so my sophomore school started taking the ap computer science uh, course and this was a really exciting experience for me to take some of my passions for math um, but also my passions for uh, building and expressing my ideas and that uh, that's how I first got exposed to the, the language. And uh, from there, I started exploring app development. The summer after my junior year of high school, my mom was pushing me to uh, look for some sort of job to get work experience, um, but I wasn't someone who was very keen on having a job. And so I convinced her that instead of getting a job, I would uh, teach myself how to do phone apps and spent that summer uh, poring over some books on Objective-C which back then was the language to develop iPhone apps, and trying to clone some popular Flash games that I had been addicted to while in high school and uh, port them over to the iPhone.
0: So what was your first app about? Like, what was the, wh- what was it?
1: The first app that I built was uh, Conway's Game of Life. It was a little clone of uh, a game that students often build as one of their first exposures to computer science. And, uh, the second app that I built was a game called Helicopter, and uh, this was one that, that had a bit more commercial success. Uh, and it was a, a clone of a, a flash game where you fly a helicopter up and down a cave avoiding pillars along the way and it was really cool to end up having about 50,000 people around the world downloading it and uh, really excited to see something that I had built in the hands of real people and people writing reviews uh, about the app saying that this was something that they, they enjoy playing every day.
0: Wow. So when you were just 16 years old, that's really impressive. And you mentioned some of the things that you learned. How were you learning them? Like, were you taking online courses? Was it through books? What what tools were you using?
1: There was some exposure to computer science through my high school and some of the peers and, and teachers that I had there. Um, beyond that, for the iPhone Languages and frameworks specifically. It was primarily through books as well as uh, Googling um, what anything that I couldn't figure out through the books. Back then, there weren't too many iOS courses online, um, and it was uh, Stack Overflow was a really strong resource where anytime I, I got stuck or I had a bug, I would just take whatever error the uh, IDE was spitting out and uh, stick it into Google and, and try to f- use that to debug uh, the problems that I was having. Uh, fortunately, there's a lot more great resources out there out there to learn, um, but back then it was a lot of uh, a lot of trial by fire.
0: So aside from iOS development, was there anything else early on that you uh, dabbled with? So any other kinds of technologies or programming languages?
1: Yeah, the first one that I'd started to to learn uh, was uh, was BASIC on the TI-83 calculator, where uh, just simple programs to try to not cheap, but uh, make math a lot easier for me. Um, And then Java was something that was taught in high school, um, which is commonly taught for the AP computer science uh, class, and also started exploring web, web languages. So trying to learn how to build websites through HTML, CSS, and then a little bit of JavaScript to make them a little more engaging.
0: Nice. So we've talked a lot about your experience in high school, and you then went on to college. So what happened there?
1: Yeah, I went to UCLA to study computer science. And Initially, I was really excited to be able to spend all of my time pouring into a subject matter that I was really passionate and excited about. Um, But when I got to college, my expectations weren't necessarily met with the education that was delivered there. Um, I was really lucky that in high school, uh, the last computer science class that I had taken, the teacher was very encouraging students to build their own original projects and try to create something that they... Uh, was really exciting for them personally, and that, that that they could that they wished existed in the world. Um, and when I got to UCLA, most of my computer science classes were sitting in a hundred or hundred fifty person lecture hall, uh, studying for tests that we would write on paper for computer science, which felt a little broken. And um, and it didn't feel like I was learning uh, the things that I really wanted to be learning. And so. I ended up uh, skipping class a lot, which I don't necessarily re- recommend others do, um, but I, instead I would sit, uh, sit in my dorm room and work on various projects. At the time I was trying to build some hardware accessories for the iPhone, uh, like a Bluetooth game controller that, that turned the iPhone or the iPad into a gaming console. And one of the especially tough things about the experience uh, with that was I was mostly working alone in my dorm room and I actually went to a few professors at UCLA to try to find help and try to find support um, around how to, how to build uh, this, this device that I wanted to build. Um, and I was really turned away by the resources there, um, in part because they didn't have very much experience in commercialization of either software or hardware products. And also the, the professor recommended that I actually work by myself, that way UCLA didn't take, try to take ownership over what I was building. And so I uh, didn't feel very supported by the educational ecosystem there, uh, which is what prompted me to to leave after a year.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, what? How did you, I'm just. How did your parents feel about all this? Like you're in school for one year. You were in you know CS program, doing a lot of things outside of this. Like were they supportive when you decided not to go back for the next year?
1: They. Uh, it's it, uh, kind of a mixed bag. So they 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 come from a traditional uh, Indian background, and so uh, education is something that's really really important uh, for them. Um, at the same time, uh, they they also had been encouraging me to be very entrepreneurial through my entire life and realized that I had this passion um, and this this excitement for uh, for building products and building software uh, for people. And so, uh, I think they, Uh, definitely wanted me to to stay and finish my education. And sometimes they still ask me if I'm ever going to go back to school. Um, But ultimately, they were supportive of me pursuing something that I was really passionate about and was working really hard towards. And I think initially when uh, we also framed framed uh, the decision to leave school, it was not about dropping out of school entirely. And I think this is one of the, the misnomers that a lot of students have when they feel frustrated with their education. Uh, they kind of jump from either I'm all in or I'm all out. Um, but the way that we, we really framed it back then was, let's take some time off school and let's see how things go. If the growth in my career and my development uh, is is the way that uh, we'd like it to be, then I can stay uh, stay not going back to school. But if things don't go the way that we planned, then Maybe it makes sense to, to go back to school.
0: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It's one of those like school is one of those things you can pretty much always go go back to if that was your decision. Uh, obviously, things have worked out well for you since leaving. Uh, so, so after so after leaving school, what was like one of the first things that you did, or what what were you doing to fill your time instead of? you know, going to class and
1: all that. Yeah. Uh, So after my first year at UCLA, I ended up interning at a company called Root One Inc, uh, which was building educational iPhone games. And uh, that was a great experience because I got to learn from a few experienced entrepreneurs who had uh, built educational technology companies um, and uh, and another who had been at Google from the very early days. And so that was a really uh, great exposure to both startups as well as software development and provided me with uh, much needed mentorship um, and those uh, the, the individuals who I worked for are still uh, very influential to, to us to this day. They've introduced us to a handful of our investors and uh, are now uh, running a company called Edmodo, which is one of the um, biggest ed tech companies as well. And so uh, being able to have that mentorship from, from that experience was uh, was really fortunate. And then after that internship, I ended up meeting up with my co-founder, Jeremy, uh, gone to high school with me, and we had taken computer science classes together back then. And he had a very parallel path where he started building apps while he was at MIT, had some some success with his uh, apps as well, and felt, felt like he had taken a lot of the classes that he wanted to take at MIT and uh, wanted to now explore doing something that's a little more focused around bringing software to real people. And so we started working together on a variety of projects, started with building a few different iPhone games together. And then from there, we at some point realized that uh, the experience of building apps was so influential to us as high schoolers, where it both opened our eyes to what was possible with computer science, that it wasn't just this hard technical field, but it was actually something that allows students to express their creativity and explore. Um, and it also really set us up for potential career success, where we had, even in high school, internship and job opportunities, because we we had this app and we could show someone, here's what I built, maybe I can come to build this for you. And so. Uh, we then started to uh, think about, let's teach other high school students who have some exposure to computer science, but don't necessarily have that, ha- haven't really crossed over from the theoretical side to the actual practical side of building and shipping real world products. And so um, we actually went back to our old high school as one of the, the first things we did as, as the company uh, makes school. And uh, we, uh, we taught a class, um, the, a class that we had met, th- met in uh, a few years back and, and taught the students how to build iPhone games.
0: Oh, wow. So like you really went full circle. So you ended up going back to the high school to to teach after that was the place you first learned. And I don't want to jump too far ahead. But today, like how has make school evolved? Because I feel like you're not going to uh, classrooms anymore, high school classrooms to teach.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're not uh, ourselves going to high school cl- classrooms to teach, but we are uh, building high school er, curriculum for high schools to use. So we, we still do a, a, a bit of that. But um, the, the company's evolution uh, from that classroom, uh, it started there the, the following summer. We invited 30 high school students into our living room to learn how to build apps. Um, and that was the summer where our summer program was born. And so. Uh, from from that 30 students in our uh, living room, we expanded the summer program to about 400 students across a few different cities in the U.S. and, and a few in Asia. Um, and that that program was was the first uh, flagship program that we had at at Make School, where we really wanted to supplement the traditional uh, theoretical education that students are getting in high school and college with the the pr- more practical software development app building uh, nature. And It was really cool to see how students were getting amazing internship opportunities the summer after that, as well as feeling so empowered and excited about their education, because for the first time, they had this education that really uh, made them feel like they could express a piece of themselves, express their creativity, and go out and build something that has value for people. And uh, there's something that's so tangible about having an app that you can pull out your phone and show to your friends and say, hey, I actually built this, Um, and, and that excitement and that that energy is really ultimately what uh, what makes school is is all about and how can we bring that excitement and that energy and that empowerment to education and uh the the next evolution for the company uh, was around uh, the fall of 2014 and um, we started to think about what more we could build beyond just the summer program and there, there are a few different uh, elements here. On, on the student side, we had these students who were feeling like they're falling in love with education for the first time in our summer program. They're feeling like they're learning more in two months at our summer program than, than in three years of college. Um, and on the flip side, you have uh, industry, which is desperately trying to hire engineers and not feeling like college is preparing them for uh, for the right uh, skills. You have this uh, big demand for, for this modern, uh, modern day skills from the 21st century economy that's not being met by traditional education and on the student side, you have this big uh, disenfranchisement with traditional education uh, and also this worry of going into crippling debt, um, which is really, uh, really taxing our, our generation. And um, we, we decided to say, maybe, maybe there's actually something else we can build here. Uh, these problems to a, to a larger scale than just, uh, just the summer program that we were running. And so started piloting what, uh, what is now our, our college. Um, started with a, a class of 11 students in, in a one-year program. And now the the college program is, is two full years uh, where students who are coming right out of high school or who have done a year or two of college and then jumping straight into the tech industry.
0: Okay, so I definitely want to talk more about the the product college, which you, you sort of you ended up with uh, j- just now. Um, and I would I would love for you to first kind of explain though, like. Uh, you, got, you guys have this product-based approach to learning right so like what is that and like ha- what kind of things are the students going through the product college working on and also not to ask like 100 questions at once it's, it's a two-year time period which is quite which is quite long right like if you're looking at other coding boot camps in this space a lot of them are only like 12 weeks so what made you guys decide to have it be for uh two years
1: yeah, so I'll start with the last question and, and work backwards. Uh, the, the reason we, we decided to build it for two years is because we are looking at this like a college and not like trying to build uh, some sort of boot camp where you learn very quickly. Um, the, the goal here is to really replace what that college education means for students and really design that college experience that we wish we had. So we do feel like college can be streamlined. I think it's a large ask to have people step out of the workforce for four years before they start earning and they start building. Um, But at the same time, when you're taking 18, 19, 20 year olds uh, who don't have a lot of the real world um, and are coming straight out of high school, uh, they definitely need a substantial amount of uh, time uh, both for their maturity on the technical side, but also in soft skills, in terms of understanding more about the world and understanding how to be a good citizen. And so, there's a lot of content and curriculum that we build that's more than just uh, technical and more than just product-based education, but it's soft skills, it's uh, personal finance, it's nutrition, uh, how to how to um uh, be a be an upstanding citizen. And uh, there's also a lot around the community and the and the network that people expect from. Having this really social experience in college, where they get to meet lots of interesting people and and um, be in a supportive environment where they have strong mentorship and strong coaches um, through their through their time, and so uh, we really do look at this uh, like look at this like a college. There's a a lot this, that we feel students need to learn before they're ready to to go out in, into the world, mm-hmm. and that's that's how we ended up coming around to this two year time frame. Is what technical skill, uh, content do we need to teach? What soft skills do we need to teach? And how do we how do we blend those in? Uh, in uh, a reasonable time, time frame for students to learn. Now, education is not one size fits all, so there's definitely students who come in uh, with, uh, with more experience or more uh, more knowledge or expertise and they end up uh, accelerating and, and uh, being able to graduate earlier um, into, into great jobs. And um, yeah, uh, in terms of what the, uh, what the product-based education and what, what that looks like uh, or what a day-to-day in the life of a, of a product college student is like, um it's a combination of things it's once uh, sp- students first uh, start it's more around structured courses covering computer science fundamentals and software engineering fundamentals. so this is where things will feel a little bit more like traditional classrooms in high school or uh, in colleges where we're tr- really trying to just push in the, the, the basic uh, basic knowledge and understanding. Um, now, uh, once students are uh, starting to pick up some of the, some of the core fundamentals, um, on top of that, we start to layer projects that are primarily students coming up with their own ideas and the knowledge, the tools, uh, the tech that they've learned and apply that to solving some sort of problem for people. And so students will often say, hey, what problems do I have in my own life? What kind of apps do I wish existed? Or what kind of problems do, does my family have or my friends have? That I can actually use software to, to to solve, and and then students will work either initially on their own and eventually in larger and larger teams, and um, to try to build software to tackle those those problems. And uh, for for us, it's a lot of it is is, is kind of about uh, the agency and the flexibility to have, to be able to decide what you want to work on as a student, as well as uh, as well as that uh, that realness, feeling that like there's some sort of purpose to what you're building, because what you're building could actually be used by either yourself or or real people in the world.
0: We're taking a quick break from this interview to hear a word from our sponsors who help make the Learn to Code With Me podcast a reality. Flatiron School's online web developer program, community powered bootcamp and free bootcamp prep courses are perfect for anyone interested in a career change and becoming a developer. Flatiron students come from a range of backgrounds from financial to creative. What they all have in common is the passion, grit and determination to learn to love code. Flatiron's rigorous 800-plus hour curriculum will teach you the skills you need to land a fulfilling career as a software engineer. Learn to Code With Me listeners can get an awesome $500 off their first month to get started on that career change. Just visit flatironbootcampprep.com. One online Flatiron student said he'd learn more in a couple of days with Flatiron than a year of computer science classes. If you're interested in learning how to think like a real developer while using tools actual developers use, check out Flatiron's online web developer program at flatironbootcampprep.com and claim your $500 discount. Full Stack Academy is a leading coding bootcamp that helps students become great software developers and get jobs at top tier companies. Fullstack's Advanced Software Engineering Immersive course gives you the skills you need to launch your dream career in tech. With a cutting-edge curriculum and supportive educational environment, Fullstack has helped graduates get jobs at companies like Google, Amazon, and Facebook, along with many others. Fullstack's Software Engineering Immersive is taught on campus in New York City and Chicago and is accessible from everywhere through Fullstack's Remote Immersive. Go to fullstackacademy.com to learn more. Full Stack Academy, making great people into great developers. Okay, so I have to ask, are people graded? Because I feel like one of the hallmarks, well, I guess there's a lot of hallmarks of like a traditional university, but of course, one of it is like getting grades and semesters and midterms and finals. Like, Do you guys have any concept of that at uh, the product college?
1: Uh, we have no grades, no tests, um, and I think this uh, lends itself to some of the educational background that I had growing up, um, and a lot of the modern education principles of the Montessori schools and uh, and, and derivatives of, of there, uh, where actually we we don't feel like those are the best way to evaluate students or to to help students have uh, achieve personal growth. And um, when we think about evaluating students, it's much more uh, trying to draw parallels to what the workplace is like, where in the workplace what you'll have is you and your Uh, Your manager will sit down and have concrete goals of here are the kinds of things that you're looking to accomplish during the next three months, six months or or a year. And here are the individual skills that you should be developing in order to be able to accomplish those goals better. And here are the types of projects that you can you should be doing in order to accomplish those goals better. And so similarly, we have uh, coaches for every student will once a week have a have a one on one with their coach and they'll talk. Things that I that I mentioned, where uh, you'll, you'll make a roadmap and make a plan for yourself, and make uh, make a development plan for how you can become a better developer, how you can be- become a better communicator, uh, how you can become a better professional, and. Uh, the the way we evaluate students is more along the ideas of, of rubrics, where uh, on a rubric you can you'll have different skill sets. Some will be technical skill sets, and some will be uh, some will be soft skills around communication or work ethic or uh, whatever that might be. And so instead of having a singular GPA or a singular number uh, that that's trying to measure a student's worth, we want to have this multi dimensional picture of who the student is, what skills they're good at, where the improvement, um, and actually use those that that. Uh, multidisciplinary, uh, those, those kind of metrics to match them with companies that are looking for the kinds of engineers that they are. And so imagine you're a front-end focus, you're really great at design and thinking about users, but maybe you're not as great at, uh, at back-end and algorithms. Uh, there's a lot of companies who are looking for, uh, a company like Airbnb might be looking for front-end engineers who have really good design sense and really good product sense, and that might be a good fit for you. Or if you're really great at at the backend uh, things like machine learning and AI, then maybe we'll pair you like with a company like Google, who's doing more of that heavy uh, algorithmic or prefers engineers of that uh, of that sort. So, um, yeah, trying to trying to make it a little more multidisciplinary and a little more parallel to how uh, how workplace evaluation and professional development is.
0: So it sounds like it's very personalized, like with the example that you just gave of, oh, if someone's, you know, maybe better with like design and user experience and and front end technologies, they can kind of pursue the front end path, whereas another person could pursue a back end path. So then do you guys not focus on just one tech stack? Can you teach like a whole range of tech stacks? Or how? Yeah, how does that work?
1: We do teach a range. So students can choose a specialization between Uh, web development on the front end, web development on the back end, or being a mobile developer. And so those those are the major specializations. There are also minor specializations that that students can can think about so if let's say they're interested in being a product manager in the future or being an entrepreneur, there might be different classes that they take in supplement to their their standard uh, sets of courses. Um, or if they're really interested in uh, data science or or uh, algorithms or machine learning, uh, there are other classes that they can take uh, to to kind of uh, round out their their core uh, core concentration with some of the other pieces that they're interested in.
0: Got it. So like for people going through the program, it really sounds to me more so like. A replacement to college? So are most of the folks that you have coming, are they in that age range? So like the 17, 18 to let's say like 23, 24, or do you have folks that are uh, maybe in their later 20s, 30s, even you know 40s, 50s, whatever, uh, coming to the school?
1: About 80% of the students are under 25 so most of them are students who are doing this instead of a bachelor's program where they otherwise would be going to a traditional university but instead they're coming to make school and the remaining 20 percent are older so those are non-traditional students maybe they already have a bachelor's degree maybe some of them have bachelor's in cs but they want to shore up their their uh, their software engineering skills and so it is a mix but definitely skews uh, skews heavily towards the under 25 kind of traditional uh college students
0: Gotcha. And then as far as like the breakdown with the people who have some college experience, so like maybe they went like, like yourself for a year or two and then mm-hmm. they left school versus people who skipped college altogether, and just went right to, to make school.
1: Yeah, it's just about uh, 40% who skipped college altogether and then 40% who have done one or, one or two years.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a pretty, that's that's, a, that's actually a larger number than I was expecting who uh, skipped college, which actually makes me think of another question. Is a high school diploma a prerequisite for Make
1: School? It, it is a prerequisite. Um, occasionally, we have had students who are uh, a little younger and, and feel very frustrated with their high school education uh, as well. I think that's that's more rare um, to have students who kind of start thinking about that early. Um, in that case, we do expect the students to get some sort of GED uh, or, or t- take the test to get a GED prior, prior to coming. Um, we do feel the high school education can be uh, quite, can be quite important to round out. Uh, some some pieces, and so do do expect that for uh, for uh, prerequisite.
0: Gotcha. Sorry, all this is is really interesting to me. So, do you guys work? Or operate like a college in that there's like this enrollment period, and everyone starts in September. Or, or is it kind of more uh, like rolling admission, and you kind of apply and start at your own cadence?
1: Yeah, admissions is rolling, so you can apply any time, and we'll review your application within a couple weeks. Um, There, uh, we we do start courses all in September, and so if you were to apply now, you would have to wait. Uh, wait for a few months to, to get there but if you uh, we also have a lot of pre-work available on our website so if you're eager to get started you can start learning from home we have uh, free courses online that you can take and we can have uh, we can have some of our admissions team check in with you and help help you make progress against those um, to help uh, help accelerate your growth even prior to joining. Um, we've also experimented with a January start, uh, for students. And so, uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, how, how that ends up going. Um, it's, it's a nice way to get, get a few more students, uh, students in the door and, and a new, uh, a, a new in, in, in injection of fresh energy, um, into the program. And, uh, I think we'll, we'll see in the longer term how many students are interested in January start. Uh, some colleges do that, some colleges don't. Uh, so it, it, it really depends on whether, uh, whether a lot of students are excited about that.
0: Okay, so you, you went through a bit of like the experience and what like the classes are like and what people are learning and how they can specialize. And it sounds like towards the end, they're then paired up for an internship, right?
1: Yeah, so we don't, uh, we don't directly pair them up uh, with companies, but we help make introductions to to companies. And so we have a strong partner network, companies like Facebook and LinkedIn and Lyft um, are all corporate partners where they come and they, uh, they have mentors uh, who, who work with students while they're in the program. They send speakers. The students can come and go visit their offices, uh, and they send recruiters to our demo nights, which is when students are presenting the projects they built uh, to to industry. Um, and then, if students are uh, are at the point where they've uh, are progressed enough on the rubrics to start uh, start applying for jobs, then we start uh, recommending them to different companies that we think are a good fit. And the students will also apply to companies that they themselves want to want to work at, but maybe aren't in our partner network. And often we'll have relationships with the companies that aren't in our partner, our formal partner network, um, and we can still back channel and, and put in a good word for uh, for students as well. So uh, they do some of the work in terms of job seeking, and we uh, we provide a lot of support as well, both in getting them ready with uh, resume review and uh, interviewing prep, um, but also by making connections to companies and, uh, and back channeling uh, to help them through the interview process.
0: So. I've read that you're a big believer in portfolios and how portfolios are more important than a resume. So Mm -hmm. what advice would you give someone who is just looking to start building their portfolio?
1: Yeah. uh, The main thing I would say is find a project that you're really excited about and find a project that either is something that you would use or your friends would use. Usually the difference between a great portfolio project and and, and just a good one uh, is one that that has a, a really deep level of polish and, and thoughtfulness uh, around not just the the core basic functionality, but uh, how to go above and beyond. And uh, it's usually when someone is really passionate and excited about the specific thing that they're working on, that they're willing to go the extra mile and uh, not just stop when they're 80 percent done, but but spend that extra time. And the last 20% always takes way more time uh, than, the, than the early bits. And so uh, that's a really, uh, really important piece is it's being excited about what you're working on will will motivate you and push you uh, much harder than, than you otherwise would be. Um, I would also recommend making whatever code that you're writing public on GitHub uh, and, and that way, when an employer is looking at your portfolio, they can not only look at uh, the app that itself or the website and um, they can play around with it, but they can also look at the backing code uh, because the backing code will tell you tell them a lot about how you think make sure you have good comments in the code so it's nice nicely formatted and well explained uh, those are those are signals that employers really use uh, to to evaluate how will you uh, how will you work well in a team how you communicate with others uh, and would also recommend writing uh, some sort of technical blog post where you talk about your experience building whatever product that you built um, and talk talk through some of your thought process and that again explains some of your communication and. Uh, and often it, it can dig a lot deeper into the thoughtfulness that you put behind uh, whatever project you built, uh, because you can actually speak to the technologies you use, the decisions you made, and why you made those decisions. And um, then those are all usually uh, quite good signals for employers.
0: Oh, yeah. I love those tips that you just gave. So one of the questions that I get asked a lot, and I think a lot of the listeners probably may feel this way when they're starting to think about a project to build and what should they build and, and and you know, what, what angle to take, and... I think your advice was really great, but I would love if you could give some examples of projects um, that you've seen maybe students, students make that you thought were really successful, or maybe they didn't have to be make school students. It could be someone else you know in your network that made a really great like project when they were first starting out.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll give one quick tip uh, before jumping into examples. Uh, one thing that I see a lot of students do uh, that I would uh, recommend not doing is uh, building projects that are very common. Um, things like a new photo sharing app or, uh, or an app that uh you can take a photo of the food in your fridge, and it'll tell you what recipes you can build. Uh, so there's a lot of ideas like this that are really, really common. Then uh, every every student has, uh, or, or lots and lots of students have actually tried to build this uh, this kind of thing before. And the more unique your app is, and the more unique the idea is, the more likely you are to get uh, get a really strong reaction. So some examples of of really unique apps that I, that I thought were cool. Um, there's currently a team uh, within uh, within Make School, who, which I'll, uh, I'm coaching along with uh, support from our engineering uh, engineering lead. Um, and uh, the the app is uh, helping design software for rubrics uh, for Make School. So this is a really cool one since they feel both for Make School as well as other educational institutions that use rubrics, they can build a really uh, really great app for it. And there aren't really great apps out there already. And so this kind of shows that there's some depth of understanding of a problem, um, where the, the problem actually can, can make some sort of substantial impact, in, in this case, the education. Um, another example of, of an app that, uh, that I've seen, uh, which uh, was really cool from one of our alums, is uh, it's an, both an app as well as a, a hardware, uh, a, a little lens that you put on the, on the camera, and you can actually take a picture of your eye um, and what uh, the app will do is it'll then blow up the picture of your eye and actually scan for uh, signs of unhealthiness uh, from the eye as well. And so this is actually something that uh, the technology behind like, scanning for unhealthiness is, is not really that complicated. It's being able to actually just analyze what, that, uh, what the eye looks like. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's such a unique idea because not a lot of people have thought about this. And you have to have some understanding about some field outside of computer science to be able to get to this idea, so having spent some time, or the, the student specifically had spent some time in a research lab um, with, uh, with, uh, with some doctors. And that's how he came up with that idea. And so uh, the, the really unique ones are usually when you take uh, take some idea that's impactful in something that's very non-computing related, whether it's in health or uh, in, in uh, food or in farming or... Uh, something that's totally, totally unique, and then pulling in, how can I actually build technology to go and solve this problem uh, in this space where not a lot of software engineers are thinking about or uh, or looking at. And so, uh, yeah, pick, pick something, uh, pick something unique, and and that uh, often helps.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I really love all that advice that you gave. Uh, okay, so with these examples, those sound awesome, especially the last one with the with the eye lens scan. So you, I would imagine the student spent quite a a long amount of time working on this project, what happens then at the end? Like, do they just kind of let the project, is it just kind of there on their GitHub? Is it still out there in the world? Like, are people using it? Or maybe maybe they got a job like related to, you know, in for the last example in like health tech or something, and now they're working on something similar. What kind of happens? Yeah, it's a,
1: yeah. It, it's a complete mix. So some students will build something. There will be a handful of people using it and they'll continue to use it and they'll continue to make updates over time. Uh, Some students will try to make it really big and try to turn it into a company and um, And some students will will try to use it to, to as a portfolio project as a as a showcase that will help them get a job and so uh it's really up to the student it's it's how passionate are you about what you're building I think there's uh there's sometimes it's it's a tough decision right because uh you you can get caught up in in one project and just work on that and and it kind of limits your your ability to explore different technologies and different ideas um and so in, in general i I would encourage people to to play around with a few different ideas and and a few different projects and uh, if there is one that really captures your uh, both captures your uh, your heart and your your energy, um, and also it seems like there are real people out there using it. and You can always track engagement. You can put analytics uh, into your app to see how many people are downloading it, how many people are using it every day. Um, and if you do see some sort of uptick in people downloading and using it, um, then maybe that's a that's a signal to to invest more time in it. Um, but even if you're just building it as a portfolio piece, uh, it can be really really helpful. And and definitely companies that are building apps that are similar to uh, similar to the app that you've built. Uh, is uh, usually they look at that as a good signal. So if you want to go work uh, work at a company that's building health tech apps, then maybe you should uh, build a simple simple health tech app yourself, and uh, that will give you a leg up when interviewing with that company.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I love that advice. I always uh, try to tell people that, like, what uh, you you put it, I think much better than I usually say. But I usually say if you know you want to work in a certain industry or the certain kind of product, like build a project for your portfolio that aids with that industry, and it goes hand in hand with that industry. So like the example you said with the health tech, or if you knew you wanted to work for a um, company like Seamless or Grubhub that helps make food delivery better, right, building something related to that. Um, would definitely catch the attention of the folks working at those companies. So yeah, I really really like that advice. So thank you so much, uh, Ashu, for coming on the show again. It was a pleasure to talk to you and hear more about Make School and about building a good portfolio and your background, of course. Uh, Lastly, where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, the best place to find me online is on Facebook. You can find me on facebook.com slash Desai Ashu and I post regular updates both by the company and, uh, and other fun stuff on there.
0: Awesome, thanks again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much, Lawrence.
0: If you want to start a career in the tech industry, a high quality portfolio is a must. But putting one together is one of the toughest things for new developers and others breaking into tech. What should you say? What should you include? What should you leave out? I know how tough it can be to work out what to add to your portfolio, especially when you don't have much direct experience. That's why I created a free course to help you build a portfolio from scratch that shines. If you want to get into tech, sign up for my free portfolio course at learn to code with .me/free-portfolio-course. So, free portfolio course, all spelled out with dashes in between each word. I hope you find this course helpful. Thanks for joining me today and have a great rest of the week.